evening. I know it's a different night. Um, I just had to catch myself. I was about to say Friday, but it's actually Thursday. So, yeah, different night. Got to get a little used to that. But anyway, good evening. I am one of your hostesses. I am Sasha, the Certifiable Diva. Uh, We're having a Thursday evening show to host and um, bring in our guest for tonight, um, Dave Ponder II. He's going to – I'm sorry, y'all. I was distracted reading something. Um, He's going to uh, talk about his book and his newest – his latest uh, novel. He's also going to um, hopefully read us a passage from his book. And um, we're going to get into the show. Um, I want to introduce Miss Swing. She is one of the um, one of our hosts. I guess you see my promotion material where I've no- announced the new hostesses of Night Talks with Sasha. Hello, Swing. How are you? Hey, how are you? I'm good. Good. We're Happy on to tonight. Be here. <laughs> <laughs> We're on tonight. Thank goodness. Um. The other part of our trio, um, she's not here. I don't know what's going on. Hopefully, she will call in. Um, her name is Beauty. Um, and hopefully, she will get an opportunity to call in. Um, I don't know. She's um, probably doing something. I don't know. She's probably working. So, we're going to give her a little time. I sent her a message. So, hopefully, she will get in. Um, if not on this segment, the second segment of the show. And we can talk about um, her being added to um, Night Hawks with Sasha. So tonight we're going to do the show a little bit different. We're going to have uh, two parts of the show tonight. The first part is going to be with our guest, Dave Ponder. And then the second part of our show is going to talk about um, the cancer retreat that I went on. I don't know if you all saw the post that I did on Instagram and um, uh, the Night Talks with Sasha page on Facebook. But if you haven't saw it, give it a look-see. Tell me what you think. And so that's how we're going to do the show. And I don't know what else is going to come up, but we will see um, what happens and what is said. So, Without further ado, that is enough of the housekeeping. Let's get into the show. Good evening, Dave. How are you? Good evening. Good evening. I'm excellent. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming back on the show. Um, so I know that your your book hasn't been out that long. It's been out since, what, March or so? Uh, yes, my release date was March 22nd. Oh, okay. So it's actually just released. Yeah, it's so awesome. Is, uh, my, thank I'm you, sorry. thank you. This is my third book, I Ponder, Poetic mm-hmm. Expressions of Mind, Heart, and Soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first book was Soul Exposed, Expressions of Growth Through Defining Moments. And uh, it was basically about finding self, finding myself, uh, growing through you know, growing pains 
as a young mm-hmm. black male in the inner city, yeah. um, facing drugs, police, and leaving that life behind and uh, focusing on bettering myself and building a family. Yeah. And just uh, the spiritual lessons I learned through that journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, my second book uh, is Passion and Poetry. And it's basically a collection of love poems written as like, you know, uh, love letters. Mm-hmm. And uh, it focuses on romance and intimacy, uh, relationships, and uh, growing in love together. And my newest book, I Ponder, is uh, it's a poetic journey through life's experiences. Uh, each poem marks a turning point, a moment of clarity, and growth and understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, the poetry within also covers a spectrum of emotions from pain, hopelessness, depression, and anxiety to positive motivation, spiritual awakening, romantic and self-love, and inner maturity. Okay. So let me ask this question. Because listening to the um the contents of your book, well, not the contents, but the description of when you wrote them. So when you wrote the um your first book, how old were you if you don't mind me asking? Um, those poems range between the ages of about 17, 18, mm-hmm. up until about 25. Okay. Mm-hmm. And also, um, some are before that. Yeah. And uh, it just shows the progression of my emotional maturity and dealing with relationships and uh, expressing intimacy and things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was, that's, that was the point that I was trying to make because it seems as if, and if you don't mind me saying, because I know people always say, you know, women, we always talk about, don't ask how old I am, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that could go around for me and too. Um, so I'm I'm thinking I ponder is more about um, that, that range, that range of age between, let's say, 35 to now, because you're, what, 44, 45, somewhere around in there? I just turned 48, uh, March 18th. Oh, okay. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Happy birthday. Yeah, and um, thank you. And, uh, yes, um, I ponder definitely wisdom from overcoming experiences and life lessons, um, speaking as a man and not as from the elements that help make me become a man. But mm-hmm. actually, as a man in the wisdom, you know, I learned from overcoming past experiences. Yeah. Also, you know, visions I have for the world. Uh, I speak on a lot of topics. And it's basically, you know, in opposition to 
the negative uh the negative things that we are bombarded with and reflections mm-hmm. that we see of ourselves through the media through music you know um it's nothing real positive or it's nothing that guides you to um live a better life or to mm-hmm. become in touch with your inner self and um I think, you know, becoming in touch with your inner self is what helps you to navigate through life without so many transgressions and negative experiences. And so I wanted this book to focus on um, tapping into that, you know, spiritual side and bringing that to light. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, um, It's more of a... (laughs) Therapy without therapy. <laughs> it is um, definitely therapy. Um, yeah. One thing about writing is you type, you, I tap into my higher self. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't even really know what I've written until it's done, and I go back and read it. You know, because I, as I was writing it, I, I was just tapped into you know a higher energy, and it's just yeah. flowing through my pen, yep. and speaking through my emotions. And so okay. when I do read what I said and listen to myself, then it shows me another view of me and helps me realize where I'm at and um, where I need to go. Exactly. It keeps you self-aware and evolving and growing. Exactly, yes. Yeah, definitely. I get that. I get that. Um, and it's definitely a journey. And I, I also get where, you know, you are also – um, manifesting through your words, you know, the the world that you want to see and what you, how you want us to be viewed, that manifestation definitely comes through um, by the trials and the gifts of our hands and our minds. So I get that as well. And it's always good to be, you know, personally, I am on, I can relate because I am on um on a manifesting uh journey of my own and so i can definitely relate to what you're saying about um your writing experience and how you get caught up in that moment and you just you just let spirit take over i definitely i definitely understand that um it's um and once you do do you have once you get done writing? Do you ever find yourself um, really tired after? Um, no, not really. But sometimes okay. when I go back and read what I've read, you know, I, I can become emotional because you know it's speaking to an inner part of me that I just revealed. Yeah, and um, it's putting me on a on a. Uh, you know, emotional level with myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just don't know what what it's going to be until it comes out. True. And uh, I think those Very are some of the best messages because you're not thinking or focusing on trying to express something. You're just releasing what's within mm-hmm. and sharing exactly. that. Exactly. I totally agree. Is you let... I often say um, it's those moments where we allow um, God to really move through us and speak 
um, through us and shine that light is what I often call it. Because, um, like you said, sometimes, you know, I've been doing Facebook posts about my journey through cancer and the loss of my husband. And so sometimes I don't critique myself. I just let it flow. And that's why I ask, do you get tired afterwards? Because for myself, when I allow spirit to speak for me, I often find myself really tired after. Um, so that's why I ask that, if that happens. Yeah, I could see that because um, mm-hmm. it could definitely give you a, a feeling of peace yeah. and uh, a feeling of release. Yeah. And uh, once you do get a lot of the feelings that you had bottled up or put back on the shelf in the corner of your mind, uh, that is a, you know, experience where that could leave you, you know, feeling a little fatigued uh, Mm -hmm. once you do get all those emotions out. So I can definitely understand that. Yeah. It, um, it has happened quite a few times for me where, um, I just, you know, fall asleep afterwards and it's some of the best rest that I I can get um so I wanted I know the last time and and I want to um update the audience and let you all know if you've heard the name before um Dave was on the show in February when we did um Sasha's playpen so if you're like I've heard that name on there before. You have. Um, so he's coming back on to talk about his book, his newest book, and um, he promised that he would come on. So he's a man of his word, and I appreciate that. So I just wanted to update the audience and let them know where they may have heard your name before. Um, so when you are in that moment of release and writing, um, do you name your things, your your poems before you write them, or is that sort of like a, a process after the fact? That's a good question because um, normally I wouldn't uh, title my poetry because I felt like a title would not encompass everything that was in the poem. Okay. And I didn't want to title to mislead a, a person from away from all the jewels and treasures that you know they could find in the poem. Mm-hmm. So, um, and because they came out without, or without plan, I didn't really you know have a title for it. I, sometimes I would name my poetry the last line of the poem. Yeah. <laughs> and just put that at the top. But um, I I started feeling different about that with my last book because um, I just wanted to ha- wanted it to be more professional. Uh, okay. My previous book, Passion and Poetry, you know, it doesn't have a table of contents and uh, things of that nature. And um, mm-hmm. with this one, I wanted each poem to have its own title. I wanted to have a table of contents so you could reference each poem and uh, so it could be presented in a, a you know, more professional format. So yeah. I have evolved from, you know, just putting it out there to uh, titling it and 
dressing it up in that way. Yeah, I understand that because sometimes when you when you're in that process of writing and you're getting ready to write, uh, and you don't have a title, it kind of stops the flow. You know, it um it keeps you from because you instead of you focusing on what you're trying to say, start focusing on um, does this sound right? That doesn't sound right. right. You know, uh, this title is too long. This isn't what I meant. And so you stop that flow, that train of thought. The creativity, and, yeah. Yeah, exactly, when you do that. So I, I stopped doing that. <laughs> When I um, when I write my promos up, because sometimes I know what I want to say, but I get stuck on what should I call this? What should I call this? And it just really slows down that creativity, that flow that you're getting. So that's why I ask, because I'm like, hmm, when did do you do that? Because um, I know a lot of people that. Um, like miraculously, he was on the show the last time he and I talked, and he often doesn't name his works until after, and then right. or something will pop up to him. He'll hear something, and then because he's also a musician, and so he will hear something, and then it will either inspire him to write a, a song or a poem or his poetry is really his music at the same time, you know? And right. um, so everybody is a little bit different, but I understand you wanting it to be more professional because when you mature and you grow and you get some following and, and you just want your stuff to look Good, you know, you want it exactly. To be, yeah, you want it to be a a positive representation of yourself, of who you are. Yeah, so, and before, I didn't really um, write for people. Uh, mm-hmm. When I started writing, I really just wrote because I was frustrated or whatever emotion I was feeling. You know, I I I was always. Uh, introvert and pretty quiet and so Mm -hmm. um, the poetry gave me an avenue to express you know the deep things I felt inside that um, I didn't wouldn't normally talk about yeah so um, and you know that's where it would come from Mm -hmm. so it was no pattern or purpose it was more just like healing and um, expressing those emotions and getting them out you know, it, it's healing because it gives you room to uh, breathe and, you know, add more experiences and emotions to yourself. Exactly. So you, so let's pick up on, you said that you don't write for, um, that you write for other people now? Well, you know, normally I, when I was writing, it was, uh, you know, just for healing and, um, mm-hmm. I didn't really share my poetry, but when I did share my poetry, it had a strong effect on people, and that was mm-hmm. just in my neighborhood. 
uh, the first okay. time I started reciting. And uh, the reactions I got from the people in my neighborhood, you know, pushed me to take it further. And um, it just kept evolving from there. So I also grew to the point where um, I could put myself and someone else and write from their perspective. Oh, okay. Um, you know, whether it be uh, different things you go through in life, single mother, homelessness, um, you know, pretty much anything. Um, I, yeah. I, I was able to write from different perspectives. Okay. To just shed some light or shed some inner vision on what I think will um, be a positive progression. Yeah. From a negative situation. That's awesome because it's um, you find a lot of people they only get they get stuck work writing in first person. You know, they're it's hard for them. So you ever read a book where the author um, it was a white author and they were trying to write from a black woman's or a black man's point of view and it was it was so full of of misogyny and all these different tropes you know what i mean it just oh, uh, go ahead oh no i'm i'm listening yeah it was um it was just it's just full of all these different things you know that are not who we are and I, I just right. find it that sometimes it's harder for people to write from that point of view of someone else. And, and I guess it really is harder when you've never seen it or you never lived right. it. Right. That's what I was going to say. You definitely mm-hmm. uh, have to have seen it or been around it or had a relationship with someone or spoken from someone. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, because as being an empath, you know, you also absorb, you know, people's energies. Um, yeah. You absorb the energies of your environment, the energies of things going around, on mm-hmm. around you. And so um, if you're able to take those energies and transform them and put them back out, you know, in a positive way, then it'll show you, it, it'll give you a, a picture of, you know, what's going on mm-hmm. uh, in the lives of you know, people that you come in contact with, and even maybe they could grow from your interpretation of the experience and how you think it could be handled or the love and light you find within it. You know, exactly. Regardless of what we go go through, we are able to grow through it, and once we grow through it, you know, it becomes wisdom that we share and uh, help others, you know, Absolutely. that might experience the same thing. Absolutely, absolutely. So I want to ask you on your spiritual journey, um, do you believe in divinity? Do you believe in in a God, or how does that work for you? Well, um, I was raised in the church. You know, when I was young, my mom had me Sunday school, uh, I was in the choir. I got baptized, you know, the whole okay. nine. Yeah. And yeah. um that was my spiritual beginnings. Um so you know, I learned a lot, but as I got older, I just had more questions than 
I was yeah. able to find answers to in the yeah. church. And yeah. um, as I got older, my 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 thoughts just, you know, got bigger than mm-hmm. you know what I was taught religiously. And mm-hmm. I da- I I studied, you know, many different religions. You know, I looked into Buddhism, and I love the story mm-hmm. of Buddha and how um, he turned his back on his parents and his wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he saw the people in the streets living in poverty, Shakamana. but he was living high off the hog. And, uh, you know, he left and lived under, uh, stayed under a tree and just Bonatry. had all this spiritual enlightenment. Bonatry. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, like, it just blew my mind. Like, I had a lot of respect for that's that. My, and, that's you know, my religion right there. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I looked in the... Islam and Muhammad and Krishna and uh, I studied the ancient Egyptian order. I was a member of that under Malachi okay. New York and um, I studied a lot of things. And what I did was take what spoke to me and get mm-hmm. that and apply that for myself because you can find wisdom and direction and guidance. You know, and pretty much all the prophets in, in religion and spirituality. Yeah. Um, exactly. So I, I'm not tied down to one thing. I, I'm a free spirit. I keep my mind open. Yeah. I absorb and I take what works for me and I leave the rest. I got you. I respect that. I And it it is amazing how we, um, I grew up in the church too, Baptist, uh, Baptist church and went to the Baptist associations and all of that, you know, and um, now at this point in my life, it's not that I, you know, I believe, but like you, like you said, there are so many different sects and parts of religion and uh, that you don't have to do one thing. And, I agree. There are a lot of questions, and you try to go to your pastor or the mothers in the church, and you start asking questions. What does it mean? What you know? And they looking at you like you crazy. Right, like it's wrong to question (laughs) the Bible or you know to question religion. Like you're just supposed to accept it for um, how it's given and what it is, and um. Even I don't even think Jesus, you know, lived his life like that. He said he was the way, the truth, and the light. And mm-hmm. um, that was reaching a level of Christendom, mm-hmm. you know. And when he was saying he's the way, the truth, and the light, it wasn't to pray to him to forgive you for his, forgive you for your sins. It's for you to reach the same level he he wrote, uh, reached. Exactly. And that's exactly. reaching your highest uh, highest potential and connecting with your higher self. Exactly. And so... I think yeah. that was pretty much all the uh, messages, you know, from the prophets that not to be of the world and to realize that you're more than, you know, um, this worldly existence. I agree. I definitely agree. And I have and a question. I, okay. Yes. Did, some, um, did somebody or something inspire you to write when you wrote your first poem? Did, was it a situation? Was it a teacher, somebody encouraging you, or what? What what really inspired, inspired you to become a poet? Well, it's kind of funny. Um, when I was young, I was an introvert, 
and uh, but I was also like a, a hopeless romantic. Um, I had all these emotions. You know, I'm a Pisces, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm an introvert and empath. And um, I started writing by, uh, you know, when I had interest, love interest in girls, I would write uh, love letters, and um, I would try to get the love letters to express all my emotions and um, break the ice for me. And as I as I was doing that, and I was evolving in it, I started listening to like uh, Marvin Gaye and Teddy Pendergrass, and listening to how they would talk, and um, you know, basically using some of their lines and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, that is how I got from writing le- love letters to making the love letters rhyme. But it was you know all to impress you know, girls to impress the, my love interest. Mm-hmm. And um, I I grew into being able to make the letters rhyme. And at the age of, like, 15 and 16, when I started um, hanging out in the streets, um, running in the gangs, running in the police, you know, making dumb decisions, then my poetry transformed into expressing my frustrations with the world mm-hmm. and expressing my frustrations with what I was going through in my neighborhood and um, getting those uh, feelings and emotions out. So I think from the love letters, I wrote my first poem in reaction to the world at about 16. Okay. And um, it was just a reflection of, uh, it was basically moving into the inner city. Uh, I moved into the inner city from, you know, living in like a suburb area. So, oh. you know, we used to have cookouts and ride our bikes. <laughs> and mm-hmm. all the families knew each other. And then I moved into the inner city, and I had to worry about making it home without getting jumped. And, yeah. Uh, drugs and alcohol was everywhere, and, and um, it was just... Uh, mind blowing. It was like mm-hmm. culture shock. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically had to flip myself from being like a nerd until I became a thug and a gangster. And like the conflict in my soul is what created me to write poetry because I came from here, but I had turned into this. But I still, you know, knew what was inside. So yeah, I I used to write about it. And, and uh, you know, I think that's the, that a lot of young men have to make that decision, you know, um, to go from, quote, unquote, being a nerd, uh, introverted, to, well, I got to harden up, I got to do this in order just to survive, to get home. Right. You know, and go ahead. No, I was agreeing with you, definitely. Yeah, and and that's and it it stunts a lot of people, and and it um you know I commend you for listening to your true self and staying true to yourself, and even though you had to make that decision, you still was able to say. 
that's not who I really am. I made these mistakes, but I really, that's not me, you know? Right. I, I, I commend Definitely. that. And it's, I think you know, a lot of... Us, uh, I'm sorry, what was that? I think if you get most thugs and everything, a pen and a paper, they will have a lot of things to write about. They will have a lot of frustrations to release. If you gave every thug a piece of paper or every inner city child and give them some form of art, because art heals. Art is really oh, yeah. something that's yeah. impressive that you could I, I see totally... and understand what people are working on and what they're working on in their mind, what they're working on in their heart. And I think it would change a lot of people. They would see it. They'll be able to see what they're doing in this world. Because a lot of young people don't see what they're doing in this world, what kind of damage that they're, what kind of damage that they're causing. And then you, you can blame somebody else for it. But once you write, you'll be able to sit down there and read your words, and you'll see that you have some, some you have some part in what's going on. The things that you do wouldn't have been happening if you hadn't been, if you hadn't participated in it. Because I'm a Buddhist myself, and we believe in taking blame for things that go wrong in our lives. You didn't just fall right. into something. You didn't just have to do something. And I write, when I when I write books and when I write music, I normally write, like I write a hook for a song. That's how I know exactly what, if I think of a hook of a song or, or a hook of this poem, I got my whole poem written. And I wrote a really good one when I was at the worst part of my life sitting outside. I just found out I was homeless. And I was at work, and then I was homeless, and I wrote everything down. Because I used to have a lot of dark thoughts. And putting pens to paper helped me release a lot of those dark thoughts. Definitely. So it's great. It's definitely healing in that. Yeah, I, it's very, I totally very agree. It, it is healing. There is healing in it. And I don't blame a lot of, I don't, I don't blame the kids as much. I know that people that children nowadays, and this is a whole nother topic, but I believe that they know to a certain extent, but I also believe that we as the adults have gave them a really fucked up world that they have to try to survive and live in to the best of their abilities. And the the institutions that are supposed to help them and encourage them and help them grow and find these things out about themselves as well as well as parents they're not we're not we're not being that village that we should be that we could be to help these young people and i feel like a lot of times a lot of the young people are feeling stuck and when you're trying, when you're in survival mode, you're not thinking about a fucking pen and piece of paper. No disrespect, but you're just not. And and a lot of these children, a lot of these young people are just trying to survive, honestly. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's how I feel about you know, you, we can't we can't clump all the blame on kids or on young people because they don't come into this world with knowledge uh, or the ability to do anything. We, as the adults, are supposed to teach them and guide them, and a lot of times we don't. 
we find fault, we sit up on our asses and we forget the fact that we fucked up as kids too. And now we're looking and rolling in a way where, oh, well, you know, so-and-so don't need to be doing that. But you forgot 25 years ago, that was you too, you know? So definitely, I, I, I agree with you, Swing. I definitely do. Um, and, the, and like I said, with schools and the institutions, you know, schools have taken art away. Art. Like music, uh, elementary school kids, I grew up with music. It was an outlet. It was something to look forward to in the in the school day, to know that one day or two days out of the week, we were going to go to music class there, or we were going to go to art class. And schools have taken those, those things out of the curriculum, and they're not giving these kids an outlet. They're just saying, here, sit here in this desk at this table, read these raggedy-ass books, especially in inner-city schools, if they have books. Because there are some schools, kids in Chicago don't always have books, and some kids around here in Georgia don't always have books either. So it's a lot of ineffectiveness going on and we expect our children to just deal with it when we ourselves as adults can't even fucking deal with it, you know? Oh, so, yeah. yeah that's I had something true. to that. Sorry. Go ahead. Hello. No, I was going to say, adding hey, on to what um, Sasha said, I think another part of the problem is the fact that um, – the minority communities have been ignored. Yes. And even with that, even with them starting to pay attention, they don't know how to relate. So I mm. think another problem is that we really need to get more people that will be willing to mentor the inner city kids and be there for them to answer the questions that they have and to suggest that they yep, start writing because it is healing. Right, right. Start at a young age. But I think that that's something that's been missing all these years, too. I know that it's our generation hasn't done the best. Really. Right. Our generation didn't do the best, but mm-hmm. it's, there's still time. There's still time. I just think yes. that we need yes. to have. Humanism. Humanism. One thing about the school system is um, it, it teaches you to remember, to mm-hmm. read and remember, but it mm-hmm. doesn't teach you how to think. Exactly. Absolutely not. It doesn't prepare you with practical things that you, you know, going to lead and need in life to navigate, mm-hmm. you know, because I haven't used algebra at all. And um, <laughs> that history that I learned didn't teach me anything positive about myself. Free. So it's like at the same time that, you know, children in, are in school, they also need to be exposed to things that the school doesn't provide for them to be a, a whole person. Exactly. Um, you know, if once that's incorporated, then you know they can make better decisions that don't stem from um, a, a, a whitewash history mm-hmm. and just you know things that that aren't practical in life. Exactly. I agree. You need somebody to show your people need somebody to show them from a young age that you're worth something, so that when it's time for them to make that decision in your life, 
that they, they'll make the right one. So that's what it is that you get to seek out help because I sought out help. I was able to do that. But a lot of children, they don't feel like they have to seek out help. And the only ones who will give them attention are gangs or pedophiles or people that want to hurt them. And then they'll further become a monster. Then they'll lose their conscience. And then they're doing stupid stuff like we have young people doing today. And if you don't catch right. them at a young age and give them some form of hope, because those are the worst people in the world to deal with, people who have no hope and no faith. You don't have to have one set religion. You don't have to have one set of beliefs. But make sure that they're good beliefs because you're messing up your life. And when they throw you in with adults, it's just a vicious cycle of creating more and more anger, more and more animosity. And when you try to tell a person, or you even try to tell your teacher that you're bullied, or you trying to tell them that your parents are at home, who's going to listen? It's not time to disject the child out of home and put them somewhere or put them in juvie, and then they still don't know how to read. They still don't know how to write. They still don't have any kind of formal education. And then by the time you get you get done, there's more and more animosity year after year built in. And it's going to be hard. You know, you right. have a horrible life as a child. It's very hard to turn into a good adult unless you have that guidance. You need to guide Definitely. you. I hate when somebody say, oh, that's not my child. And it's 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 you to be changed. Bad enough. Yeah, you want the child right. to go bad enough till they end up killing somebody or hurting someone by you saying, this is not my child. Or your parents give up. One parent gives up on you. You got parents that fight all day long. And when one parent leaves, they forget to say yeah, that the child is this. So there's a lot of, of factors, you know, that you don't have, that haven't been dealt with. And there's a lot of talented children. When you go to prison, you learn that you can write poetry because you have nothing else to do in that cell. Try to nurture them now because there's so much I think they were missing out on with young people. We're missing out on doctors, lawyers, poets, artists. We're missing out on all that with these young people because they have no idea of what their potential is. Right. And they don't know what options are available to them either. Yeah, they have none. They don't. No options, no idea at all whatsoever. No. And, and Until they're like 20 or 30 and stuff. And then it's, in, like I said, we we can't I don't expect a white teacher in a inner city school to really show my black child, though I don't have any, but to show my black child how and what to do in this world, how to be that, how to be a productive black individual in in this world. Because they're not taught that. White people and are not taught that. They'll come in with the best not. intentions. But a lot of times they have to be taught that as well. Point. But it's, like, not their, it's not their – that's my point I'm trying to make is I personally don't feel that it is their responsibility. The response, Some of the responsibility, a great deal of the responsibility depends and should fall upon – parents and aunties and uncles and those of us like myself I can kick my own self in the ass and say hey get in get in step get in gear and go out here and mentor a child because there's something that we all have that we can give to a young person um, like I said before yeah, their parents it, can't do it, is, we can do it. It is a village. It is that village that needs to come back together. If we can, if if black folks can all get together 
and back in the day and say, if one person saw you doing something wrong in the neighborhood, then everybody had the right to whoop your ass. Okay? Right. That's how it was for me growing up. We, for me too. Yeah, then we have the ability to now say, you know what, let me go over here. I haven't seen that mom that's a single mom that's taking care of those three, four kids by herself. Let me go over here and see if she needs a little help. Let me step up in this school and sit in the classroom and say, hey, I'm just here to help any way that I can. What do y'all need me to do? And, you know, and, and I know that's easier said than done, but if we want to make a change, if we want there to be a change, if we want our young people to know, then we have to get off our collective asses and get out here and show our young people that we care about them. And I think that that would make a difference. And I, and there are many people that are, but they need our help as well. Those There's that many are people that they, they can, they are, and they try to, but the parents don't let them. Because when, when, when the teacher tells you, I'm having trouble with your child, your child's doing this, the parents don't understand the child. All right, that's wrong. You know your, you know your child bad as hell. Just because this white teacher says, why are you talking about my son? You know your child bad. You, during COVID, I, a lot of children learned that their children bad as hell during COVID lockdown. <laughs> so they had no discipline. So they knew how bad Tommy was. They couldn't wait till school got started. I mean, and, and if you if your if your you can't pick up for your child doing bad things and having bad actions, you gotta let your child go down and bite that bullet. The mother that can put that child in jail for stealing that stealing the family car and not let that child out of jail or whatever, that, that's a good parent. Because you gotta teach them. Because some, some children have bad parents, but some have good parents that they don't listen to because they feel like they're grown until they get into a situation where they need mommy and daddy's help. So let your child fail. Let them have something to talk about. If they don't want to go to church, you'll make them go to church. Make them have a piano lesson. Make them do something that they're going to have to preoccupy their time because just running the streets is not going to help you survive. It's going to teach you that If you can't let your child do stuff, if you can't let your child do stuff, just let the YMCA. Go to the YMCA. Give them some classes. Let them learn that there's other options out there. Even if they do have a bad home life, there should be all kinds of after-school programs for a child to be able to learn. But that's not what we want to spend our money on as a, as a city or a state. They don't want to spend their money on something that's going to help a child. No. But that children are running the streets all hours of the night. These 10-year-olds getting killed. Why is a 10-year-old out at 3 in the morning? Why is a 15-year-old out at 3, 4 in the morning to get shot? Because and, and why are people out there where are they getting all these guns? Where are they going to do this? I mean, where are they getting all this stuff? And why haven't we stepped in as people and let your, and let, the, let that stranger tell you what your child is doing all day long? But they don't want to hear it. I think it's They want to believe what change, their child though. is doing. They, they know they're bad as hell. Yeah, we I need, think the new generation has got a grip on it. Yeah, they, it's they, going to take a long time to turn it all around. Yeah, it it's going to take a while. Yes, but it can be done. To it turn is. it all around. But at least they're aware hope. now. Like you said, the pandemic forced parents to see mm-hmm. how bad their little kids could be, things that they yes. weren't aware of because they're concentrating more on their um, job performance than they are, you know, mm-hmm. taking care of their child. But I think that yeah, they had no the parents have become 
much more aware of how difficult it is for the teachers, not only in teaching our children, but um, losing the different programs that used to give these kids an outlet. Exactly. I think that people are starting to turn it around. It's just going to take a minute. Right, yeah. right. Well, and we used to have all that stuff. But I want my child exactly. I want my niece exactly. to grow. I see my niece. She has a lot of stuff she needs to grow on it. And anxiety. My niece has anxiety because I'm an empath as well. I can feel her anxiety when she goes into new situations. If one thing falls apart for her, she just will lose interest. She'll get done and, and quit. And I'm like, you cannot quit. What are you going to do if mommy and daddy can't pay your bills? What are you going to do if they can't get you what you need? What do you do if something happens to them? You got to make them grow up a little bit. Because my niece is 13 years old. Uh, you have to grow up to some extent. When you walk into school, when you walk through those, those hallways at Shaw High School, you're going to see a lot of people you don't know. Don't be a shrinking violet. Be a leader. Make sure you walk in there like you're proud, like you belong in this school, and know what you came to school for. You didn't come to school to be popular. You didn't come to school for boys that like you. You came to school to get that education first. I mean, be on the debate team. Do something that's going to show you different things in life. But they don't want to. They'll go to school to get what they came to school for. It's a fashion show. It's a popularity contest. Let people, let children come to school for what they're supposed to be there for. Well, that was a, that was the same thing when we were in school. It was a, it was a popularity contest. It was about there were really cool there were cool kids. The, those things have been going on as long as school has been. Around, <laughs> so and it takes too much importance. It takes too much precedence. But you have to be We cannot pretend that we are above the reproach of of not understanding the bullshit that kids go through and do to each other and bully each other. That we did. We know what bullying was. But back we need to nip it in the bud because we don't. We have I know how to I'll bullies. see you at three or fucking clock, and I'm gonna bust your ass and beat you up, and we gonna hit these fisticuffs, and we gonna do what we gotta do. And tomorrow, and that be that I fight, we may be friends again, or we may not, but you're going to know that I'll tag your ass. And that was how it was. It wasn't about going, running, and getting a gun, and then shooting up the whole school. It wasn't about that. But a lot of... It's evolved to that, but it, need, it doesn't thing, need to stop. It's, a, it's a, a terrible cycle that com- completely goes around it's called the zeitgeist and it is a circle that continuously goes around but the thing about it now is children have more access to things that we never really did when we were growing up so they have that access and with that they things are more it's more easier for a kid to go get a gun than it was. We had to go try to find an adult just to go in the liquor store. They don't really have to do that anymore because now they have mom and daddy house getting drunk because some mom and daddy say it's okay. So there is a lot more lax and a lot more lackadaisical type mentality than it was when we grew up, when our parents were growing up, and when our grandparents were growing up. But the the fight so that it won't you know, bullying and, and fashion and you not going to school to be like no, we I heard that. I heard that growing up, but I still participated. So 
it's, it's still that's why that's really, I, I, I feel like a lot of that is because we don't talk to our children really 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 sit down and talk to our children we ask don't. them how their day was we're not how, we're ask not. them what's going on in school we don't. and let them explain to us what's going on and express their feelings because my niece can't really have a good conversation. i make my niece have real conversations with me i make her have real life conversations with me if she can't express it i make her express those feelings that's how you find out what's really going on. A child could be bullied at school every single day and not come home and tell their parents. Their parents find out when things have gone too far. Then things have gone too far, and your child is hurt or miserable or sad. You can't just buy a child something to make them happy at home, and then they got to go to school and deal with some bullshit. We need to step in and see as a collective in the community what's going on with our, with our children. You know, we know we were bad as hell in school. I was bullied, so... I don't want my niece to get bullied. I don't want her to go through fighting every day. I don't want her to fight. I want her to be able to know how to defend herself, but make make them make you be bad. If they don't touch you, words are fuck words. Words can't do shit to you. They will hurt you, but don't put your hands on me. You can say whatever you want to say with me. Don't put your hands on me. Don't spit on me. Don't do all that shit. Teach your child to go to that level of letting You have to be taught that. You don't come out yeah, of the Yeah, we need We need to teach our Thank children you. that. That's one thing. If you teach them to read, Thank write, you. do math, teach them how to be, teach your child to have empathy. Let your child know what empathy is and see what empathy is. And if that's the case, you see empathy, you see somebody getting bullied, one bully cannot handle ten other children who are trying to fight for their lives at school. I don't want, I, I didn't go to school to get shot. I didn't go to school to get bullied. I didn't go to school to burn a threat. If you get this, this shit go down, the way they, they um, pick everything else and they do protests on everything else, start doing protests on, at the school board. Make that motherfucker do something when it's time to be bullied. This little girl just got her hair burnt off. She walks to the bus stop. Her bully set her hair on fire. Nothing has been done yet. She had third-degree burns wearing the bangs around her head because these mean girls bullied her in that way, shape, form, or fashion. Bullying has grown a lot. I mean, I'm like, I got called fat, fat as hell and all this other stuff, but I never had my hair set on fire. And this little girl, this is not her first time being bullied. Now, if her parents come up there and, she, and beat everybody ass at that school, that's going to be an issue. But we need to let them know that it shouldn't be tolerated at school. I should have to call the cops on you for bullying me. And the police come, arrest you, and tell your parents to come get you from the police station to see what happens. It needs to happen. We have to protect our children. I think this is a great topic for us to have another show on. I think because so, I know that we're all very passionate so about it, and there's yeah. really mm-hmm. no answer that we can come up with tonight, but I no. think that we want our guests to be involved in the conversation, and it's kind I'm of sorry. taking a different Thank turn. You. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. No problem. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm sorry about that, Dave. Um, oh, no. That's that's definitely like what I like my poetry to do, and I like when conversations lead to, you know, us having these type, type of discussions because, you know, these are the things we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree. it's awesome. I think it was a great discussion. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> you it have was three discussion. very passionate women that are not afraid to speak their mind. <laughs> we 
I have a poem that kind of speaks towards that that I wrote. It's from my new book called I Ponder, and it's called She Read Me. Okay, Uh, she read me. Looking around my community, I see reflections of me through broken shards of mirrors, holding fragments of my reality. In a society of lost sheep, I search for culture and spirituality, fighting against calamity and failure, penitentiaries and corporate jailers. I hold my head in my palms disgusted, meditating until my grief is disrupted, thoughts no longer corrupted. I inhale, my essence released in a deep exhale, soulfully free as my breath sails a tranquil breeze. I hear spirits whispering in the wind, reminding me of a connection lost yet able to be found within. The realization in that instance produced a vision of truth manifested. Her eyes screamed justice and her ebony skin held all the hues of man. We stood hand in hand amongst pyramids and desert sands. She read me decrees of my inheritance and scriptures declaring me king of many lands. She read my DNA strands deciphering genetic codes and hieroglyphs naming me as chosen. She read me the stars and my third eye opened. My awareness rose and I saw my nose replace the hole in the Sphinx's face. Awakening my higher sense glands, strengthening my mental state, extending my degrees of existence, causing false doctrines and scriptures of a broken belief system to fall and deteriorate. My insecurities vain before me in a pile of ashes and decay. A phoenix was risen from a bird of prey. She read me free, and I flew away. All right. Awesome. That was fire. That was fire. That was um, I remember seeing a post that you had on your page where you said that this may be your last poetry book. Is that true? It was because I wanted to focus on um, writing novels and screenplays. Okay. But um, it's I'm actually going to have another one. Um, I'm going to have I Ponder Volume 2. Okay. Because... I came across some more poetry that uh, I have poetry everywhere, all over Facebook that I just wrote um, as a post and didn't save. Um, yeah. Laying around the house and stuff like that. And so I actually have enough poetry to make another book. And plus I want to add some more to it. So um, I'll have a, a, I'll ponder volume two and then um, I'll be focusing on novels and screenplays. But, um, you know, I ponder, oh, uh, pretty much mostly autobiographical, but with a little fiction, um, just the journey of a young black male and, um, life experiences. Um, I have a very interesting, um, growing up and the different, aspects of life I've, I've been through from, you know, like I said, being a, you know, a smart A and B student and the only thing I was worrying about was girls to moving into the inner city and being in gangs, getting locked up, um, experiences with drugs, um, police. And then um, I got to a point where I was tired of bumping my head 
and having negative experiences. So spent a lot of time to myself reading and writing. And um, one thing I did that really helped me uh, when I did, you know, turn my back on the streets and start spending a lot of time at home, basically because mm-hmm. I didn't know what else to do, um, I, I just really questioned why, you know, I was going through so much and why I stayed in so much trouble and why I was making so many negative choices in my life. So one of the things I did was um, I traveled all my experiences back until the first experience I could remember. And uh, my first experience I remember was being three years old and my mother was pregnant with my brother. And she was sitting in a chair and I guess she was having cramps or stomach pains, but she was crying. And I uh, had my head on her lap. And I just remember thinking, you know, I, I I didn't know what to do and what was wrong and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But that was just, you know, uh, an experience. I guess it was traumatic, you know, being that young and seeing your mother cry. That was the first thing I can remember, being three years old. Wow. And then mm-hmm. I went forward from there through my life, you know, from three all the way up until when I was doing this, I was about 19. Mm-hmm. And I went forward, you know, to 19, just looking at all the life experience I had, everything that happened in my life and turning points that shaped me to be the person who I was and figuring out why I felt like this and why I did things like this and different things that happened and and the effect they had on me. And um, so then I get to 19 and then I go back again from 19 back through. And um, I I did that about, you know, I, I just kept doing that until I felt like I was my own best friend. I felt yeah. like I knew myself inside and out, and it it strengthened the connection I had had with myself to where I realized how why I was making bad decisions and how I was making bad decisions, and I didn't like the way those decisions felt, and I didn't want to live my life like that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so um, from then, I just um, you know I took what I learned from myself and use that to project what I wanted to happen in my life. And, um, so what did I you cut out for? the things that didn't help me and I strengthened the things that were good for me. And then um, I started moving forward. And when I came back out, you know, my mind was on a whole different direction. That's actually hmm. when I met my wife because I decided that, um, the the strongest thing that I wanted to live for was a family. And I mm-hmm. felt like, you know, all this stuff that was going on in the streets and all this stuff that I was facing, it, it wasn't worth my time. It wasn't worth my life. I was like, you know, having a family would give me something to be responsible for. And it helped me change the direction of my life because I was an at-home father for three years because um, my daughter, she – uh was born a meconium baby. She had a, a bowel movement in the sac before she was born. Mm-hmm. And so um, when she when she was born, they had to flush her lungs out, and she had to eat through a tube for like her first three to six months. Mm. And my wife couldn't put the tube in her nose. And the only way she could come home with us was somebody had to put that tube in her nose and be there, you know, to feed her three times a day. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I took on that role and uh, 
I helped her through it, she recovered 100%. Wow. And then I didn't want my um, children to be in a daycare before they could talk. Mm-hmm. Because if something happened at the daycare, mm-hmm. I wanted them to be able to come home and tell me what happened. Yeah. So yep. I stayed uh, at home father with my kids, uh, working overnight security until my daughter was four and my son was three. And um, once they both were four and five, then we allowed them, you know, to go to daycare. And um, it was awesome because... It it, it 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 deepened my whole outlook and on life and everything, you know, being responsible mm-hmm. for life. Yeah. You know, it, it makes you see things in a whole different light. And I can imagine. it shows you what's really important because you don't want your child to go through the things you went through. So yeah. mm-hmm. you try to think about what you felt was missing when you was growing up and you try to make sure they have that. Exactly. You know, um, I always talked to them like they was young adults. I didn't talk down to them yep. or act them like they were kids. I wanted to have uh, conversations where we interacted, talked back and forth, and they could learn to think for themselves and see the world in their own individual light instead of what they were being taught and what was being projected yep. onto them. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's awesome. I I could definitely see why you would want to put that because that's a great story. That's a great book. I'm I'm entranced. I just I'm propped up and I'm listening. Like, go ahead, finish telling the rest. <laughs> <laughs> so well, yeah, from... definitely looking forward to that. Um, I wanted to ask, how did you how did you travel back? To yourself that way like I mean just you don't have to go into a lot of detail if you don't want to I'm just curious about how you were able to do that well it's our first of all it takes time um, mm-hmm. time and quiet and just listening to yourself you know because you know meditation it's about um, clearing your mind, but when you're clearing your mind, you're you're hearing a lot of thoughts and emotions and feeling a lot of things as they leave. And so um, I would just quiet my mind and I would go back through my memories. And um, you don't remember everything the first time you do it, which is why I say you go from where you are now back to the first thing you can remember, then go back to where you are now, and then go back to the first thing you you remember. And each time you do it, you'll pick up more and more things, um, more and more experiences. Um, You can use pictures, photo albums. Um, With me, I just, I I internalize a lot of things. So Mm -hmm. I have a a real good memory. um, Yeah. When you internalize things and traumatic experience or turning points in your life or whatever, they 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 are there just waiting to be um, addressed and and dealt with and loved and released. Mm-hmm. And so um, it just it just takes time. It's not um, it's not a trick to it or anything. It just takes time. You just sit down, listen to yourself, go back through your memories as far as you can. It doesn't have to happen in one day. You know, I did this over a period of six months. 
And I was mm-hmm. also reading self-help books. I was reading philosophy, psychology, uh, cognitive, you know, just anything that was explaining the mind, the, the body and the heart, the spirit, you mm-hmm. know, those type of um, aspects of yourself. Mm-hmm. And just the more you, you get into it, the, the stronger you'll get, the better you'll get to know yourself. And... um at a, at a certain point, you you will lead yourself. You you won't need, you know, any guidance or whatever. Because once you become in tune with yourself, you know nobody knows what you need more than you. Sure. It just takes mm-hmm. being able to open up and listen to yourself. So, you know, l- luckily I had a lot of, you know, they say pain deepens your soul. Yes. And um, you know, I had a lot of painful moments that I caused upon myself that I had to sit with and and um overcome. Mm-hmm. It just put me on a real deep level with myself. Hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. Cuz um I'm you know therapy is helping me to um uncover some things that are not the nicest right now. And so uh, I, I I thought of a memory when I was having my therapist session, and it just came up. And I was, she's like, where did that come from? And I was like, I have no idea. So I was just wondering, you know, how how did you do that for yourself? Um, but that makes sense because I have a long memory as well. I can actually remember back to when I was three. I told my mom that one time and she couldn't believe me. She was like, how do you remember that? And I was like, I don't know. But um, right. yeah, it, it's amazing. Um, and I and I agree with you that pain definitely it, it puts an imprint on the soul um, that is forever there. And even when you heal it, it is still that imprint is still there, I believe. Um, but yeah, well, yeah, I think part of that is we're always students. It yes. doesn't stop once you get out your master's degree and your PhD and all those things. You're always learning something new. Mm-hmm. The the um, the thing is, you have to be open to it. And mm-hmm. it was wonderful mm-hmm. hearing about your meditation experience because that's a great place where you can create space for the good and the positive things to happen by eliminating the things that have caused you pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. Yes. Totally. Totally. Well, and so, uh, if I can, sorry, this is a, uh, another poem I wanted to share. It's a kind of an example of um, me putting myself in someone else's mind mm-hmm. and uh, looking at things from, from their perspective and uh, this poem is called Beautiful Struggle and um, it's me uh, reflecting on a single mother okay okay beautiful struggle I see her making ends meet holding back grief with casual conversation or singing softly whispering a song that lifts her heart I see her looking off into the distance, questioning her predicament as she carries out responsibility, 
making sure the kids eat, sleep, and know that a step out of line will get that behind blessed. I see her carrying stress upon her head, yet balanced, as if transporting her needs across life's terrain. She is a lioness in a concrete jungle, surviving the game. I see her, and my heart knows she is the fabric of life, holding generations together with the strength in her eyes and the courage in her smile, loving all the while I see her. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. And, um... That takes me back to my mom. It makes me think of her. Yeah. I have another poem that really speaks about coming to the end of a lot of transgressions and frustrations and struggles. And it's called Man I Am. I've reached a new level of maturity where I no longer look at memories with guilt, regret, and anxiety. Mistakes dimming the light in me. Stumbling around in darkness, blind to my shine. Anger hiding in the corners of my mind. Attacking my potential with fear. Whispering doubt in my ears. I've learned to quiet those voices, allowing me to hear my inner child, as he explains how my past isn't what it seems. It's just easier to remember the painful things, which were actually just me growing. There were more smiles than tears in my years of unfolding, as struggles became my strength in knowing. Every obstacle was showing me the way, and without them, I would not be the man I am today. I listened deeply and took a long look at me. I began to see the beautiful boy and young man that created me. With love and acceptance, we have come to know each other well. Our journey has become wisdom of all that we've prevailed. Together we manifest heaven in the present, building from lessons of overcoming hell, adding chapters to our book of life and writing the stories we've lived to tell. Wow, that's powerful. That is powerful. That's beautiful. You have some beautiful work. I I really I I resonate with it a lot. I it really gives me a clear and distinctive picture of what you're trying to portray and what you're saying. Um when I hear your work. It's really good. It's really, really good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And um, the last poem I wanted to read is my ode to poetry. It's called My First Love. Okay. Poetry is my first love, so beautiful and divine. Thoughts of her echo through my mind. As our energies meet, I feel memories beyond time. A recollection of love, a connection that surpasses physical interaction, a blessed attraction that sets my soul ablaze. The fire in my heart sparked by my twin flame, pleasured by the presence of my soulmate. Her touch and rhythms say more than mere syllables can construct. Her vibrations erupt volumes, and I become lost in her words. I long to stroke her adjectives and feel the passion in her verbs. I desire to read every piece of her and complete her with my thoughts until we've exhausted every tongue and come to know each other literally. 
and I penetrate infinity. Emotions subside as I release between her lines, filling her sheets, now able to breathe again. Oh. I think that's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It is very nice. Oh. <laughs> yep, and those poems you. I found my new book, um, I Ponder. And yes. um I Ponder, I'm actually making that my brand name. So oh, are um, you? Yes. I am mm-hmm. gonna L L C it. Um, I'm going to have merchandise, shirts, hats, phone cases, um, pretty much anything I can put my logo and a quote on or a poem. Um, you know, my shirts have the logo and they have, uh, quotes on them, different Mm -hmm. quotes, different colors. And, um, I also write customized poetry for any occasion. Um, I've written graduation poems. I've written Forms where someone has a family member that passed and they wanted to express, um, you know, deep emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I write customized poetry. I basically just ask that the person give me a paragraph of whatever they want to express, and I take that and turn it into poetry. Okay. And then um, I'm also coming out with a line of greeting cards. I ponder greeting cards for any occasion. Um, oh, that's cool. That is good. Um, where can you uh, find your? I know you said that you're selling T-shirts already. Where can you get those? Where can people order those at? No, no, I'm creating the T-shirts. Oh, um, okay. I'm sorry. Once I have the T-shirts, I think I'm going to start like a Etsy account. Okay. Um, or I might just start my own website. I'm not sure. I'm in the middle of that process right now. I'm just trying to decide because with Etsy, you know, you got built-in exposure already. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you build your own website, you're starting from scratch and you have to, you know, gain exposure. So I'm just trying to figure out the best avenue to host my merchandise as well Mm as I'm in the process now that I finished my book of um, taking out different quotes from the book to put on shirts and um, other merchandise with my logo. Okay. But um, I'd definitely be getting that out there once I have everything together. Okay. Love that and entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, most oh, definitely. Thank you. thank you. And, you know, and don't forget, I think because the last time we talked in February, I was telling you about the link tree on um, Instagram that you can put up. Oh, yeah, up. I, I got one. <laughs> oh, did you get it? Yep, thanks to you. Um, I just went to linktree.com and figured it all out. But, yeah, I have a linktree on my uh, Instagram, which is uh, at DavePunder2. And that's DavePunder2 for my Instagram. Uh, My Facebook is DavePunder2. So instead of number two, it's actually the Roman numeral, the second. Yeah. And, um... You can find me there. Also, you can find links to my books. I also post poetry and uh, quotes, everyday quotes. To, really, really, I post quotes that speak to me, and I share them in hopes that they'll speak to someone else. Um, also, and, uh, tell about your um, 
Well, I don't know if you want to tell people about it, but your Facebook group. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I have a Facebook group called Soul Exposed. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's my poetry group. And um, basically it's just a lot of poets there. Uh, we share poetry. We critique each other poetry. We support each other. And um, it's just like a poetic family. Um, yeah. And it's called Soul Exposed, and that's mm-hmm. on Facebook. Yeah. And uh, I also have a poetry page S-O-U-L? for my book. Yeah, S-O-U-L. Yeah. E-X-P-O-S-E-D. I'll link it to um, my Night Talks with Sasha uh, page and also your other um, links that you told me about, your Instagram and your Facebook page so that people can find it. Right. I also have a Facebook page for my book called I Ponder. Oh, okay. And it's the same as my book title, just E-Y-E-P-O-N-D-E-R. And that's on Facebook. So tell me where we could go to actually purchase all three of your books. Is it uh, uh, just one link or is it on several different places? No, I I use that link tree, like you said, on Facebook, Instagram. So um, in my bio on Instagram, you will see my link tree. It has links to all three of my books. Okay. Uh, In my bio on Facebook. Um, you will see my link tree, and it has the same. Uh, it has links to all three of my books as well. Okay. Can you get it on Amazon? Yes, my book I Ponder is on Amazon. Okay. Uh, you can look it up by my name, Dave Ponder the Second, or you can mm-hmm. look it up by the title of the book I Ponder. Okay. And yes, we're definitely on Amazon. Okay, great. And are you doing, I know the last time we talked, you were doing some speaking uh, engagements. You got any more planned that you want to put out there for people to look for you at or listen to you? Because I know you just did one last week, right? Yep, I just did an Instagram show last week. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um. I do have something coming up. Someone just inboxed me tonight before the show and was asking. They just opened up a new restaurant in Atlanta called The Vegan Faction. Her name is Shannon. And uh, she's having a brunch in May. And she uh, asked me if I would like to uh, recite some poetry at her brunch. And, of course, I definitely will. Yeah. um, I don't have all the details yet. Uh, but we just confirmed that uh, she would like me to do it, and I will be doing it. So as soon as I get the details, then I'll be sharing that on my page. Okay, cool, cool. Well, the I want to thank factory. you. Wow. Yeah, you know, Atlanta's we got a little bit of everything. Well, Dave, I want to thank you for coming on tonight um, on this Thursday. Uh, I know that you say that you're – got some plans you're going out of town so hope you have a safe trip you go make it safely where you're going and back um yep i'm going to daytona florida for my grandmother's 83rd birthday oh how awesome how awesome that's such a blessing please tell her happy have birthday. a safe trip yeah thank you thank you yeah, yeah i'm well, looking forward to it 
Yeah, that's going to be special. It's going to be very special. Well, I want to thank you again for coming on the show um, and sharing your works with us and just sharing yourself with us. I really enjoyed it. It was a great conversation. Anytime you want to come on, let me know. You're welcome. Oh, awesome. Uh, Thank you for having me. Uh, It was a great show. I enjoyed the discussion. And I enjoy speaking and sharing with you all, and I would definitely love to come back. So okay. if you have an opening or any time, just let me know, and I'll be there. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Ladies, did y'all have anything you want to ask our guest before he signs out for the night? Um, I was just going to say the same thing you did. So I just want to say thank you for being here and sharing your gift. It has been um, an amazing experience, and I do hope that you come back and visit us and bring some more poetry with you. Definitely. I would love to. I have a lot more to share, so definitely would love to come back. Well, good. Well, great. Well, thank you for coming on, Dave, and we're going to let you go so that you can get ready to go see your grandmother love and spend your birthday with her. That's going to be sweet. All right. Thank you guys again so much. I enjoyed it, and I look forward to the next show. All right. Have a good evening. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye-bye. All right. So we got like 30-some minutes left. So I was just going to tell everyone about um, the cancer retreat that um, I went to. Anyway. Yeah, um, I because of HIPAA and privacy, other people, you know, we couldn't take pictures inside. And the house that we were in, the cabin, it belonged to someone. So we weren't allowed to take pictures of it uh, on the inside mm. of it and things of that nature. But I was able to take pictures of my food that I was served. And it was so freaking Delicious. <laughs> okay, talk, talk, spill it. What did so you have? Um, well, that night. <laughs> or at least share me. the pictures. Yeah, I shared the pictures. I shared them on and um, the Instagram. Case. Yeah, I shared them. So okay. y'all, okay. y'all need to go look at those pictures of that food, honey, and get you some. Um, we had. The first meal that night, we that Friday night, because I was there from Friday um, until Sunday, April the 2nd. Um, you know what? I can't remember what I had that night. It was so... <laughs> I can't even remember. I can't remember what the heck I had. I have no clue. I don't even remember what it Matthew, was. You to be taking All I remember I know. was... I know it. I can't it was remember delicious. I think she's it supposed to keep a, that one to herself. It has cilantro. <laughs> it has cilantro in it. I'm not a big fan <laughs> of cilantro. So I guess that's why I don't remember. But that morning, because we got up at 6 So this is how it was set up, y'all. So we had to get up every morning um, at 6.30. And by 7 o'clock, the sun was rising. And we were doing, as the sun was rising, we were doing yoga. Oh, my God. It was so beautiful. 
Um, and the scenery, we were up in the mountains of Alabama. So we were up in the mountains oh. and the sun was coming up and um, it was just, it was so great. Um, doing our light yoga uh, and then we did that for about an hour and then we had breakfast at like 8.30 or so and um, then we did group. And breakfast was like from eight thirty to nine, nine nine thirty somewhere around in there. And then we did group, and we did group all day long, till like till it was time for us to go to bed. We did group all day, um, and it was the first night we were there that Friday. We all set our intentions. We all said what we came there for, what we hoped to gain. Um, the house was staged, um, and a candle was lit in our group room, and that candle was our intentional, our intent, and it was going to bear witness. It bear witness the whole retreat, and at the end of the retreat, it was blown out. Wasn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. Wow. Wasn't that beautiful? Wow. And so the candle, wow. it just it just burned all the time that we were there. Um, and the first night we got there, that Friday evening, we had group introductions, and then they put us on silence. And so we could not talk from about 8.30 that night, 8.30, 9 o'clock, till 7 o'clock that morning. We could not talk. And they also wanted us to put our cell phones away, turn them off, um, no outside communication. We were just supposed to rest, rest our minds, rest from social media, all of that. And so that's what we did. Um, and like I it said. It makes a difference. It makes huh? such a difference to have someone give you permission to actually relax. And yes. opposed to you saying, no, I really need to slow down. Oh, but I got to do this before I do, or I got to do that before I do. But to yes. actually have a space where you can be quiet and be with self, and it was, you're not the only person doing it. No. That's, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. I can't even imagine how you must have felt. At, at first, I thought it was going to be so hard for me because I'm, I'm a social media junkie. But mm. when I, I went into it, when I was listening to everyone else set their intentions and saying what they wanted to get from it, I was like, okay. And I went into it with an open mind and an open heart. And I'm so thankful that I did because ever since that I've gotten back from the retreat, I got back April the 7th, the 2nd. Y'all, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't really been out of my house since. It's not because I'm depressed. It's not because I'm sad or it was so peaceful. And I had Mm. so much peace. And it it was so healing for me that I wanted to bring those feelings home 
And when I bring them home, I want it to stay exactly, beauty, exactly. I want it to stay in that bubble. And I try, and I have tried to really stay in that, in the sanctity of that place. Um, because I, I thought, you know, I've been in counseling, I've been in therapy uh, ever since Michael died. Well, I got in therapy April of 22 when Michael died. And um, and I thought that I had really worked on myself and healed myself. And I have. I really have. But the trauma of his death, the trauma of my cancer diagnosis, and the trauma of how I found out, it stayed with me. And when, you know, and I didn't realize how that, how much of that was still in me. Um, And I got the opportunity to really release a lot of that. And, And in a space where I was with other people, that understood the heaviness and the mm-hmm. trauma and the fear and the uncertainty and the anxiety of what it's like to have a cancer diagnosis and your cancer diagnosis is severe. You know what I mean? Um uh-huh. And so I was, yeah, and it just, it really, um, it was so awesome. That is so beautiful. I want to say that I, I am overjoyed that you went on this retreat because it sounds like it's everything that you needed right now. And like I said, sometimes we just forget that we have to give ourselves permission to be. Yes. Just to be. Not yes. to be anything, uh-huh. just to be and experience mm-hmm. what that's like. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, you were with a group of people that were all going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have to explain. You didn't have to make them understand, you know, the few words that you say and how powerful they are. Yes. So I am, I am overjoyed for you. I, I just i am so happy for you that you had this experience. And I hope I, you have many more. I do. Thank you. So do I. And it was, it was the first of a lot of experiences. It's like the first time that I've been anywhere since my diagnosis. It's the first time that I've been anywhere since Michael's transition. And it just showed me, for one thing, going there and getting myself ready and doing everything that I needed to do, pack and, and everything. I And I purposely did not talk to anybody the day that I left. I purposely did because I know me. I know that I will talk myself out of something so easily lately. And I purposely just stayed within my own little bubble. I, did, I told I didn't even tell my best friend 
Um, but she knew I was going. I told some other people um, the night before that, you know, this is what's going to happen. But it just really showed. I got to see a glimpse of the old me, that strong, independent, capable woman. And I saw a glimpse of her. And I was so glad to see her. Like, I was so glad to know that she's still there. But then at the Mm -hmm. same time, I saw who I am becoming. And I am trying my hardest to embrace who I'm becoming. Because within her, I see her strength, and I see her beauty, and I see her determination. And it was, it was, oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> That's okay. You go and do what you got to do. Again, I'm really happy for you because it sounds like it gave you everything you needed. It did. And you want to come in the bubble? Say again, yeah, I sometimes when you're sick, you gotta listen to everybody else. You gotta listen to it. You just have to be brave. Sometimes you don't want to be brave. Sometimes you want to be able to cry and yell and scream and yeah. get all those emotions out without feeling embarrassed or without feeling weak. And when you go yeah. to workshops and have groups of people, everybody who's going through what you're going through, you know what to look forward to. You know what mm-hmm. you are giving up. You know all that with other people who feel the same way you you do. Because nobody can understand what you're going through but you, and, and you walk into another, a group of whole, everybody else who understands what you're going through. That's a great yeah. and powerful thing. It's a it really was. powerful mm-hmm. thing. It really was. And, you and can be your own worst enemy and make you miserable. Yes. Exactly. You can't, exactly. Exactly. Um, and within the weekend, we um, we were put on silence, even out on Saturday, we ended Saturday night, like, on silence and got up, you know, Sunday morning, did silence, ended again, and we did our um, our yoga, and the sun rose, and this time it rose, and it just filled, it filled the whole room where we were, the sun did, mm. and it just, it was like God was saying, yes. Like, you know, he sent out, the Mother Earth just sent out her rays of healing and sun to us and was in, and embraced us in it. Um, and it's like our yoga instructor said, you know, we are a new constellation. And it was just so affirming, so affirming. Um, but the food was delicious. Um, we had a chef. Um, her name is Cassie. And Cassie, she cooks for every retreat that they have. She cooks for them. And so to be able to taste, like I do remember that morning, that Saturday morning for breakfast, we had an open face omelet. Basically, it was a, a quiche and it had spinach and onions and 
mushrooms, oh. and um, yes. And then we had, um, she made some homemade applesauce. Y'all, she made applesauce from scratch. Wow. Honey, applesauce from scratch. You hear me? (laughs) What? Yes, applesauce from scratch um, and some oatmeal. And she also made homemade banana bread. And um, oh my goodness! Yes, my stomach. And that was the thing. Like the food was, the food was like everything that you should eat from the rainbow. Mm. There was not a lot of fat. There was not a lot of sugars. The sugars that we had, they were natural. Um, We ate a a no baked brownie. It had no flour. The only flour it had in it was oat flour. So it was oatmeal that had been ground up into a powder flour, and it had no eggs. The sweetener was dates. Y'all, mm-hmm. it was so good. And I'm thinking, this ain't going to be good. It ain't gooey, ooey, honey. It was like, ooh, this is good. What is this? And I'm thinking, does this got some nuts in it? And I said, what is this little crunchiness that's in the brownie? Are these nuts? And she's like, no, it's oatmeal. It's oatmeal, it's oat flour. I took oatmeal, ground it up in, into a flour, and that's what you taste is that little crunchy nuttiness. I was like, wow. That's brilliant. Yes. Um, and then we had this red um, rainbow quinoa, and inside the quinoa it had parsnips, Brussels sprouts, sweet potatoes. All of that was roasted and then put inside of the quinoa. And then she made this um, beautiful salad. And it had these, it had cherries in it, figs. It also had um, toasted walnuts, honey. Oh, yes. And the dinner, though, was the pizza resistance. She did baked salmon with a um, tangerine relish. The relish had, like, tangerines and onions and some, I think it was like um, maybe some bell pepper or something like that. Honey. Beautiful bougie food. <laughs> yes, it was, but it was, Ugh. it was delicious. And it was, it was, it was semi-bougie in a homey, home style way. But at the same time, it was food that was nutritious for cancer patients because, again, you lick the plate. Like, uh-huh. um, because it was, you know, it was things that we weren't eating because you got cancer, you're not supposed to eat a lot of red meat. 
And this is stuff that nobody ever told me, y'all. Nobody ever ever told me that I shouldn't be eating red meat. Hello? I mean, I don't eat a lot of red meat anyway, but... um, And she was cooking from a pescatarian, keto, low-carb, low-fat type of recipe state of cooking. And I'm like, I like all that. Shit. Damn. You know, um, and I had never, I've never had, this was my first time eating salmon. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. I love salmon. I love it. I never knew, I never, you know, it's like I told my friend, I was like, you know how sometimes you want to try stuff, but you don't want to have to be the one to cook it? That's kind yeah. of what it does. So, because if you don't like it, now you like, you stuck and you got to eat it. So That represents every other food you eat in your life. You really don't have to. That's true. Okay not to like something. But you feel bad. You're like, oh, eat it. I got it. Um, but, I look at it as an experience. And yeah. I took a chance, and if I didn't enjoy it, I'm not going to finish eating it. Yeah, that's, that's true. just me. Yeah, that's true. But you know how because you don't know anybody anything. Yeah, but you know how it is when you grew up in a family, and you come from that cl- that clan of clean the plate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know all about the starving children in Africa. Yeah, right. So good, dear. You hear your grandma. My grandma used to be a good chef on us. When I was young, when my grandma gave me food, I ate all of it. Whether I liked it or not, okay, fine, grandma. But never bake this again. That's exactly what happened to me. Why are you wasting that food? Why are you wasting that food? Don't you know about those other children in Africa? Can we mail them this place? There it is. And I just forced myself to finish whatever meal I was given. Mm-hmm. And I was making myself sick sometimes because I couldn't eat all that food. Yes. And that's when I started paying attention to me and forgetting about what Nana said. Because yeah. unfortunately, although Nana was probably trying to convince me to do something good, at the same time, she was creating something false that just added guilt to my life. Because the reality mm-hmm. is, whether I eat this food or not, the children in Africa are never going to get it. It never. Exactly. Never. It's not going to them. But no. when you're young, you don't realize that. No. And that's where eating disorders come in, you know, because you're it trying does. to eat everything and it you're does. uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Or you don't so want to eat anything at all because you know you've got a big meal coming, you know? Yeah. Yep. You're absolutely yeah, right. I had to train myself because that gave me a better relationship with food because mm-hmm. I, I had a really wonky one for a long time. But um, realizing that I don't have to finish everything on the plate and I don't have to like everything that I try. Yes. It's okay not to like it. Yeah. I'm learning that now. It hurts their feelings a little bit. Let them know that. It's hard. It is hard. It was hard at first. Because I loved my Nana and my my Nana's word was, you know, bond. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) The moment moment we came to my grandma's house, Right? Mm-hmm. 
yeah. Yeah. My grandma's house, she was fixing us a plate. Whether we ate, you can tell her we had to eat, we already ate, she'll still fix us a plate. And we'll mm-hmm. come in there and sit there and watch you every minute to make sure you eat this plate. I'm like, yeah. ah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. We may yeah. have to say men. We don't throw away food in here. <laughs> no. We, but I how think, old it is. You get shit. <laughs> we all had a nana like that. Um, but, you know, you when talk the last about year that. They froze and feel the seal safe. You talk about that um, eating, you know, a relationship with food. Oh, my gosh, y'all. My relationship with food um, since cancer has it's been traumatic, to say the least, y'all. It's been, it's been very traumatic. Um, you go from a person that I was a comfort eater, uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. I ate to comfort myself. So when Michael died, I pro- I would have eaten. I want let me, no. Let me say this. I wanted to eat. I wanted to eat myself to oblivion. But chemo said otherwise, and mm. I couldn't hardly eat anything. So I had to deal with those emotions right I was a wreck I was a wreck I was a wreck Um, did they talk you through all that at the retreat about different mood swings you may have and different desires and stuff that you may have well we didn't really get into a lot of that at this particular retreat I think it may have been because of the people there. Because I was the youngest person there. Oh, wow. And everybody else were older, you know. Um, but we didn't get into that conversation, to those conversations. Now, I am getting into those conversations with my new therapist because I am seeing – Okay, this is the thing. Through Cancer Navigators, I was seeing, I am seeing a grief counselor. She's an overall counselor, you know, whatever cancer, grief, whatever your problems is, she will try to help you through. She was really good. Now, through this foundation, and I'm going to post about it, and I also want to, perfect time. Um, it's called the Loveland Foundation. So the Loveland Foundation is a foundation for um, black women, of black women, for black women to get therapy. So you sign up oh, for yeah. it. They have these sign-ups during certain times of the year, and they will give you vouchers to pick a therapist, whatever you want. It could be art therapy, yoga therapy, whatever type of therapy that you want, a black woman, um, you know, LGBT, trans, whatever you want, they have it. And so I am now seeing a uh, an African-American therapist, 
and um, she and I are, we had a session yesterday, and we are talking about those mood swings, and so, (laughs) and that widow's fire, have y'all ever heard of widow's fire? No. (laughs) So... And I think that we should, I, I want to do a show about this. And y'all let me know if this is a good idea or not. I want to try it. So a widow's fire is this fire, un, this, this desire, this burning, yearning desire that widows have to have sex. And it's not necessarily about the sex per se. It's about... Intimacy. Yes, it's about intimacy, it's about connection, it's how, you know, it's about um, letting it be okay, the fact that you want to have sex after your partner has passed on. And a lot of times, widow fire help happens to people that are between the ages of 35 and their late 40s when they lose a mate. So mm-hmm. we kind of hit on that topic yesterday because I was I was telling her about a certain individual that shall remain nameless that um, were... <laughs> trying to, you know, basically waste my time and I'm not about mm. wasting my time and like and I was telling my counselor, you know, my therapist, like, they bullshitting, they wasting time and I ain't got time and I'm trying to be very intentional and they can't deal with my intention. <laughs> so mm-hmm. and I told her about the young guy and she was like, Oh no, no, don't do that. <laughs> I said, but he's pretty. That's okay that he's pretty. He okay to look at, girl, but she got real, real. She's like, he okay to look at, girl, but that can't be your man. <laughs> Oof. I said, that was a hard really? blow. Right. Yeah, right. Really? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. No. Like, girl, what y'all got in common? (laughs) She has a penis and I want it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I have a vagina and he wants it, so that's our biggest thing we have in common. That's a thing. Both out with this transaction. Yeah, Uh she's like, girl. What a great response. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wait. Why he can't? No. no. I mean, what well, you can't. He can't but... the penis, and I really, really want it. Yeah, right? She was like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. no, girl. No. <laughs> he 
cannot be sure. I said, well, he was telling me, you know, he doesn't really know how to multitask, and he's telling me about his his son, and he can't really do two things at one time. And she's like, Mm-mm. I said, and I told him, oh yeah, you're one of those. Yeah, you can't do two, three things at one time. <laughs> you can go you to the store for a few hours or go shopping or something. Yeah, he don't know how to multitask. And she's like, because he ain't lived enough, girl. <laughs> oh, um, he's not that. a professional. Huh. Huh. She's like, you don't want nobody that you got to teach. No, oh, amen. You want a veteran. Yeah. Get into the trenches. I know how to use his time wisely. But he pretty, though. <laughs> Not pretty enough to trick him over here. Like, oh, today now, do you want me or what? Are we going to do this or what? Girl. Talk mm-hmm. about it. So you don't like the bed. Shit, you do not like the bed. Who begs? What? Never. No, you, uh, uh, it's not time for you to beg for shit. I'm sorry. No, I'm too old to beg. Exactly. Then it was a dumb It's not very often we get pussy sold at you. You know, for some guys, but when they do, it's like they want to bullshit because they're scared because they're not initiating it. Exactly. Exactly. I'm on the time clock. Shit. Thank you. Oh, my God. I'm not going to be for the shit. Oh, my God. I told, like, I was telling her about another one, and she's like, well, what did he do? I said, well, I told him, if we cannot have some true conversation, he might be listening. Hey, boo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, we're talking about you. Hey, boo. I'm putting it out to the radio verse. Exactly. I told him, like, if we cannot have some true conversation, then I'm just going to have to let this go. So we couldn't have some true conversation, so I had to let it go. Love you, Oh, well, he don't care shit. Because if he cared, yeah, he, he would do it. Girl, and I totally I'm going to make sure you because, find that good dick. Yeah, cause it, and it had to totally, because at first, it was like, oh, yeah, I do, mm-hmm, I want to get that, mm-hmm, yeah. And then when I start laying down rules and being like, not even Too rules. Yeah, when I was like, this is what I need, this is what I want from you, this is and this is this, and this is this. And I guess he's like, yeah, damn, that's what? <laughs> you can intimidate a motherfucker. That's Make exactly what I think I did. Me. I did that to the young one, too. I, I kind of intimidated him, too. Believe me, I, I know. I, I do it all the time. But you can't beat around the bush. Shit, you old enough to not beat around the bush. 
Exactly. I cannot help that I'm well, I don't have Bushy. He might be listening to Hey Young Boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell what's up. I it's not I can't I don't I don't do beat around the bush no more. I don't have any bushes. I, I, I trim all my bushes. There's no bush for me to beat around. Do you want this pussy or not? Are we getting here or not? What, what's happening? <laughs> then they don't talk. They be quiet. I don't want to talk no more. Yeah. So that happens to you too, Queen? God, dog. Man, yeah. I'm about to be 50. I'm about to be 50 years old, and I don't have time to play games. Don't be too I eager. Don't, I, mean, just, I, like, I like you know what you're doing. Like you've done I, this I have cancer. I don't <laughs> I have cancer. Like I want as much sleep as I can before I can't get no more dick anymore when when I can't. Exactly. Come on. Exactly. exactly. My legs are open for service for certain people. But come get it or don't come get it. I don't know. Come hither. Come hither, young sir. <laughs> I don't wanna know you I don't wanna I don't want no kids. I'm not trying to get pregnant by you. I don't want no baby. So this is perfect for you. Yeah. yeah. If you pay shot in there, they like to chase you, but they don't want you to um just sit there. Okay, well, you don't gotta chase you. I don't like to run. I do not like to run. Okay? No, I'm right I'm here. You know my habit. I told you where I am. We can meet up here, we can do this and move on with our lives. If we like it, we do it again. We don't it was exactly. fun. It, it, it was fun. Exactly. They don't want to hear that. You've been looking at my inbox. <laughs> uh, they, they, they don't understand it. They get scared and run away. But I don't have that much time, so I want to make the most of the time that I have. Let's do this. Yes, uh, I don't know. Like, did you do yesterday? You knew last uh, week. You knew what I didn't yeah. have, Cancer. You had all the time in the world. I'm like, come on. So it was like with this one with the other boo. Hey boo, you listening? Um, I said, "Ooh, I'm gonna get this little, I'm gonna get this little set. So when you come and give me some birthday set, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have on this longer reads, right?" Yeah, that's good. See, <laughs> you got all, all your eggs in one basket. They're scared. They want your eggs to be scattered all over the place, so they gotta go find you. <laughs> All right, motherfucker, I'm going to as easy for you as possible, okay? How much more easy can I get? You exactly. walk out your house and I lay on, on the floor, Fred Eagle. You walk in the room, no. I'm Fred Eagle. How much no. more easy can I make this? This is not Tom no. and Jerry shit. It's right here. And so one asked, he was like, well, I'm going to come to your house. And I was like, oh, no. No. I don't been there before. <laughs> like, no. Mm-mm. No, we have to take this somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, well, it'd be nice to go to a different place, okay? Shit. Exactly. Who want to get rammed up and, and busted up? They don't want to put no effort in. <laughs> That's too much effort. Exactly. Everybody's watching, watching you doing that walk of shame in my neighborhood. Like, oh, who mm-hmm. that car is over there? None of your business. There is no shame. A car with walk with your, your, walk with your head. Head held high. Yeah, go in your house. Sure, well, you know. I live out here in suburbia. <laughs> yes, I lie. <laughs> they but I, think, I think I hit 50. I think I hit 50 and forgot about all that. I swear something comes over you at 50 years old where you really? just do not give yep. a fuck at all. I don't give a fuck. And then you hit, then you know hit I got 55. Some. Yes, I got some. 
55, you don't give a fuck about not giving a fuck. Oh. I'm about there right now. I'm at 56, so can't wait to see what 60 has. I know that's right. I'm trying to get Uh, a whopper of shame. Look, a whopper of shame. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. At this age, it's it's a whopper of shame now. It's not a whopper of shame. Yeah, I got so I'm a bow. I, I got, got my, my roller later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no such thing. I got Did my roller later, so I can sit down yeah, to... and have my yep. walkers. <laughs> Roll to your mailbox. Yes, I got some, and it was delicious. Thank you. Thank That's you. That's what I'm saying. You'll see more people. The people that made up that phrase were just jealous because they weren't getting any. That's yeah. where they came from. So they want to shame you. See you see those apples, motherfuckers? That's what I'm trying to say. You cannot shame me. Shit, I got too much. I don't get sick a lot. I'm going to fuck the shit out of somebody. Like they say. Like my house. Close I look, yeah, but <laughs> Closed legs do not get fed. <laughs> nope. And my, my shit is hungry. My vagina is very angry with me right now. First, we ain't got no weed. And now we ain't got no dick. My vagina is very angry. Still when I wipe. My clothes are done. Angry yeah. vagina. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got angry vagina syndrome right now. Angry like, vagina. Oh feed we had we ain't gave you no yeast infection. We ain't gave you no 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 nothing. We ain't mm-hmm. gave us no big. And you know what? I think I'm gonna be. Oh, and I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of glad, but then at the same time I'm kind of like, oh my god. But I'm gonna think. I think I'm gonna be one of those going menopause. And have a high sex drive because, honey, every time I get hot and I have them hot flashes, she be talking. I'll be like, "Girl, shut the hell up! I can't. What you want? Damn, and you can't, you can't get nobody you when you don't need sex. They call you at two, three in the morning. What you doing? Once you get free and don't have shit else to do, your phone got crickets. You don't hear shit. Right. Just dry. I'm like, really? Where are y'all now? You trying to throw hands and shit. Where are they now? Nowhere to be found. I am about to be so empty now. They over there with that woman that they they say ain't coming with that masculine energy. (laughs) Uh What the fuck is that? They're like the little Shaq Koi one. (sighs) One too loud on that pussy. I haven't haven't had that many that said, bitch, yes, you did, okay? Yeah, Your friends like, exactly. yeah, you did. You were a hoe. Exactly. But now you're holy. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm walking around with my masculine energy. I don't know what the fuck that is. Like, ain't no man around here, so I have to do what I got to do. No bullshit. Shit, I don't sit well, around. I don't bullshit around. Well. You know my time limit? Look, I don't want no 20 minutes of sex. I don't want no you one time and done. I don't want none of that shit. If that's what you coming with, you might as well not talk to me no more. Then they're gone. Yeah. I'm like, seriously, why can't you just like, like other dudes? I could do an hour. Really? Ooh. Ooh. Five minutes later, they they about to pass out. <laughs> oh, no. So they be lying on me? I'm on a bench Uh-huh. And he wasn't that on top. This one dude, he, he was on top. He was sucking me on top. And I, and I, and I fucked him up. He was like, hey, what the fuck are you doing to me? Bitch, and this is a real pussy, okay? I know, I'm not an amateur. I know how to work on both ends, top and bottom. 
You better learn to understand this shit. You should have bashed in the bathroom. You said that, son. You can tell the dude who, who used to just lay that bitch that lay like a corpse. But when they get one that participate, they don't know how to act. <sighs> this is true. Jesus. Like I can throw it from the top, the bottom, and down the south. What you got? Oh, oh, and don't make him moan. <laughs> he really oh, hates you. Make feel ashamed then. Make you sound like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what you doing? You ain't never had before. What you doing to me? I'm a grown ass woman. Shit. And don't stop me after this either. Oh, God. Oh, my oh, goodness. Man. I'm glad I don't know nothing about none of that. I forgot. I'm, I'm about to forget. So I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time myself. I forget how to feel to have sex. I'm going to be a whole version again. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Closed well. legs do not get fed. I hear you. I hear you. And my, my legs are damaged right now. Save <laughs> <laughs> hey, the children. Save the vagina. <sighs> I tried the children. It'll <laughs> 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 be like a starving person eating saltine crackers. They don't know they ripped or what. They don't care what kind of crackers they are. It's a delicious ass cracker. And this real light bread? What is this? What bread is this? What kind of flour is this? <laughs> the box just says crackers, but you feel like they ripped crackers off in crackers. What kind of crackers? This is the best crackers I've ever had in my fucking life. Oh, my God. Lord have mercy. Gracious. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, what was the topic again? I think we were talking about food. <laughs> We were talking about food. I think we were we're talking like about food. We're like an everything bagel. Food. We're like everything bagel. We're horny. So that's our conversation about everything bagel. We're horny. So that's the best time that every show topic is his topic. We're horny, okay? We got some banana bread. We were talking about cars. We're horny. Our company is a fucking car. The last time I fucked you, the V. Was this the topic of the show? Oh, Went to the grocery store. I saw this big cucumber and like this. Like, y'all the horniest bitches we ever see. Yes, we are. We throw a hint now. Every show has a hidden agenda. I don't understand. We need some big. I think it's the season. <laughs> Spring, summer, fall, and winter. Lord of mercy. And then oh, none of us have periods anymore, so what? When you got to worry about that either. No. I think you just lit the beacon swing. <laughs> They're going to be getting all kinds of messages. I know, right? I'm like, damn. <laughs> Ring gun, lit the beacon. Woo! <sighs> and nothing you can do with it. I always be out of town, motherfucker. You can't come in 10 minutes. Like, I don't know. I don't want to watch you fucking masturbate. You can't masturbate in front of me. I don't want to watch you masturbate. That's just, they're just putting cold on the fire. Watch you masturbate? No. Maybe you want to do all this shit, but fuck you. They live with 10 bucks, too. What the fuck good is that going to do me? And I'm just saying, I'm angry and bitter. Shit, you basically angry and bitter. 
Well, this is about to get in because yeah, that right there is hot. Yeah, not when you ain't getting none. That should make you angry. They got a big dick when you dress and they were like, no, you're the one with the angry pussy. <laughs> you can get angry. Make me fucking angry. I'm beyond the point of watching masturbation. I think it's hot. Some of my house can do that. I think it's hot. It's hot, but I want the real dick. If all we have yeah, is the anticipation. The anticipation. <laughs> Why would you? I, I guess because I do it for a living. I don't even want to have this is my problem. Like, uh, no, I just I, I'm I'm past that now. <laughs> I do it for a living, so that's why I it, it irritates me now. I want to do it on my off time. I want real dick on my off time. To do a phone sex with a Spanish dude is sexy as fuck. What we do with an accent, that shit be sexy as fuck. Like you well, that real yeah, that's, that's a whole other. That's a whole other game. Oh, oh. Uh, oof. Uh. you really want something? Then call somebody you don't like. What you doing? What? <laughs> I just need you to talk here right now. <laughs> hey, why? What's wrong? Bitch, you know. Yo, it's about to come true tonight. If you can get over here. Don't come over here. Just don't. <laughs> come tonight. I'm right now. S-O-S. No, I'm good. They come with too many problems, hell. They don't got to stay. You can come, but you you, you got to leave afterwards directly. I just stick with my rose. I just stick with my rose. I'm good. I'd be pissed off at it, bro. My shit would be broken. Oh, oh I see you one. Oh, my God. What? I see you on this toy. That shit got a suction on it, and inside the suction is a tongue. And then the other part goes inside your vagina. I'm like, they're trying to make a bitch just blow up the whole house. Yeah. I got well, a little bit like that. Extraordinary. I just if I had a second machine, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Because mm. mm. sex machines are amazing too. I'll probably I'll be on the show talking about that shit for three hours. <laughs> Every conversation we have, we'll go back to my sex machines. Yeah, about sex machines, see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you made that shit and everything? Mm. Okay, well. We're going to call it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Swing has it's another rose to break. <laughs> yeah, another rose to break. <laughs> <laughs> another rose to break. Wow. Mm. Yeah, my my, my body is not working in there. What? Oh. Yeah. You're in a hot, you're in a, wow. Whoa. I'm in a uh, drought. I mean, for real, I need the real shit. If I get a sex doll, we don't have some good times, too. You better make sure you don't hug anybody anytime soon. Don't break in. 
Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be sure it's titanium. I want my my sister to have titanium bones. A titanium. <laughs> A titanium frame. Lordy. All right, ladies. Okay, That's well. Over. It's been fun. <laughs> Time to go. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Love you both. See you guys next week. Oh. See you next week. See you next week. Have a good one. Have a good weekend, everyone. We won't be Thank on Friday, so we'll see you next okay. week. Sounds good. All right. Bye, Bye y'all. Wait.